0: show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and welcome to the show, Stephen Geyer. Hello, Stephen. Hello,
1: Rob. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing just great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is uh, this is terrific because you have an amazing story uh, that I want you to relate to everybody. You emailed me and, and and talked about the show, that you were listening to it. You took a... A pretty amazing trip through England to go see Bob Dylan numerous times. So tell us all about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so just a couple of weeks ago actually. And uh, I guess I should start off by saying that in addition to Bob Dylan, I'm a big Dave Letterman fan. So I was introduced to your show through the Letterman uh, episode podcast that you did a couple months ago. Oh, ah, okay. All right. And so uh, that was—I guess it was pretty recent. And so then, uh, yeah. So then I, a couple of weeks ago, I went to see Bob Dylan in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, I guess that was a Sunday night, and then Liverpool, England. That was a Monday night, and then London, England. That was uh, the Tuesday night, and uh, it was uh, incredible just to see. Once you you don't really realize it until you see him in secession like that. Uh, how like the liberties he takes, the different stuff he does. Even though the set list is identical, if I mean if not identical, very very similar each night. His, you know, his. I guess you could uh, interpret his mood in a different way, or, or uh, by, by, you know, how he's, you know, jumping up and uh, and playing the uh, the piano, how he moves around the stage. You get a better understanding of the the songs and the song order and why he, you know, uh, chose to put it in that, order, or at least at the very at the very least that uh, he put some thought into the, the the song order. It wasn't just some cobbling the stuff together. Um, and so, in between all these shows, obviously, these are not, you know, I mean, they're sort of the, the, city, the cities are sort of near to one, other, one another, but not, uh, not a short car ride. And so, I was taking three or four hour train rides. And uh, in between, I was listening to, to uh, this new podcast that I was introduced to, your podcast, Pod Dylan. And- <laughs> And uh, uh, and then yes, yeah, so when I got home, I I uh, sent you an email thanking you for it, and, and here we are today. One yeah, thing led to another. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was really touched by that. I thought that's such a good idea. I did. I didn't do anything that uh, that elaborate, going to another country, and taking trains. But I I have seen Dylan uh, kind of in succession. Uh, I think I saw him twice in three days, which is probably the, the closest I came. Now, in terms of the shows, like was there one show that you thought was you know better than the rest, or did they all have their own individual moments?
1: Yeah, and I, I think Liverpool was was for me the best one. Uh, the this, the Glasgow show was was very good, of course. It was in a, a sort of like a big theater auditorium, and it had much more of that that feel to it. The uh, Liverpool show was in a, uh, a basketball arena, and it, I mean it also happened to be the show where I had the best seat out of the three shows, and so that certainly helped. Uh, and it was a, it was a very you know modern arena. The crowd was great. They were obviously uh, very very happy to to, to see him. They were all in, everybody was into it. And I think he could, he could tell that. Uh, in London, uh, God bless it. Uh, I love London. It was at the Wembley Arena, not the Giant Stadium, but the arena that's, uh, that's uh, next door to another basketball arena. It's not the greatest venue I've ever been in. It's pretty old. The, the structure is pretty old. The seats are pretty old. It wasn't, And it, the, the vibe just didn't seem quite as good as, as it was in Liverpool. But being able to see Bob Dylan in the home of, of, of the Beatles was, was pretty damn cool. Now, have you seen? Had you seen Dylan live before this this trip? Uh, you know, only once before, and uh, that was back in two thousand nine. And I, I guess this sort of bleeds into the, uh, uh, an additional conversation of when I started to get into Dylan and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, it was in 2009. It was the first time I saw him. It was when, uh, he was on the road with Willie Nelson and John Cooper Mellencamp and they played at a, I live in Washington, DC. They played at a minor league ballpark, uh, in Northern Maryland, uh, which is about a two and a half or three hour drive from where I live. Uh, and so I went up to see him. I got there very early, about an hour before the, uh, the gates open and I, I got really, really close. I was, uh, it was really cool. I was maybe like two or three rows back in the, in the outfields, you know, in the standing section all the way up front which is great except for right after Willie Nelson said a freak storm came through and just drenched all of us who were on the, in the outfield there. And we had to just wait until the storm passed, just, just pretty much sitting there uh, to, to hold our good spot. Cause we didn't, no one wanted to run away and leave their the great spot that they, uh, they got there so early to get. Right. And so, so we just all got soaked and then had to wait for the storm to pass. And then John Cougar Mellencamp came out. And then when, uh, when the sun went down and it got dark, uh, that's when, uh, Bob Dylan showed up and, and it was, uh, he was, uh, promoting, uh, together through life. Right. And, uh, I just, at, until that time, you know, I was, you know, my, my parents were you know, from the fifties and sixties. And so, uh, I grew up in Detroit, so I was very big into Motown and they, you know, they got me into, into Motown. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I as Bruce Springsteen said at the, his, uh, when he inducted Bob Dylan into the, uh, into the rock and roll hall of fame, uh, he said that his mom, Told him that Bob Dylan couldn't sing. Well, for me it was sort of the opposite. I, I heard, you know, you know, "Blown in the Wind" like a Rolling Stone. And I told my mom, "I was like, what in the heck? That dude can't sing." And and she, you know, sort of pushed back on me a bit there, uh, half jokingly, I think, but but very very seriously too. And so I, and so you know, little by little, I did did get into Dylan. It, but it was pretty pretty much all sort of compartmentalized into the old stuff, into into "Blown in the Wind," the like a Rolling Stone, all the stuff from from the 60s. I really didn't explore. The, his more recent stuff until I went and saw him in, in '09, nine. And I heard songs like, you know, uh, uh, lovesick and Nettie Moore and, uh, uh, forgetful heart. That one still, I still remember his, his, uh, performance of forgetful heart, uh, at the, at that show. And I came out thinking, you know, dang, I gotta, I gotta listen to his, his stuff this is, you know, shame on me for not, for not paying attention, uh, uh, to what he's been doing for the past you know 20 years or so. <clears throat> and so, from there you know I got, got to know uh, 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 modern times and uh, love and theft and I sort of expanded out there you know back into the 90s back into the 80s and 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 so forth and sort of just uh became a bigger and bigger fan uh, of this stuff uh uh and so yeah so when uh, when I was looking last year as to possible vacations that I wanted to take this year I I one of the things I always really like to do is I like to travel to see uh, rock and roll shows and to see artists uh, not, not necessarily make them to come, come come to me, which I always go and see them when they come to me, but, but it, it, I always love going to a different city to see him perform, because then you get to you know, take a vacation but then also go see a cool show. So I saw, uh, it was, I guess back in October, he announced that he was going to do a European tour, and then just... Uh, Nicely uh, lined up that I could uh, take some vacation time during the week that he was in in the UK, and so I, I went over and saw him, and, and I'm very glad I did.
0: Very nice. That sounds great. I mean, yeah. uh, like in terms of when I saw him last, uh, I thought that the. The songs that he was doing the covers, the series of covers mm-hmm. he has been doing, Those he really put those across in, in live performance. But did you feel the same way?
1: Absolutely. I think one of your former guests I heard, uh, I guess he was talking about a time that he saw Bob Dylan and he sang some Warren Zevon songs. And he said that he puts almost more care into those doing covers of, uh, he, uh, of other people's songs that he does to his own. And I couldn't agree more. That uh, really came across as that he was being more, I don't know, thoughtful or sincere when doing his Frank Sinatra stuff or, or whatnot than, than when he was doing uh, uh, Don't Think Twice It's All Right, for instance. I mean, I, I personally would not hold it against Bob at all if he just stopped playing his 60s stuff. Don't Think Twice It's All Right. He, yes, I understand why he does it. He probably thinks that this is the way you know, a lot of the paying public there is there to hear those songs, and so he'll, he'll play it. But it seems like a lot of times he's just like rushing to get through it and move on to something <laughs> that, that he wants to do, something else that he wants to do. And I, and I don't blame him. He's very proud of his his new stuff. Uh, and and he should be. So I mean, now one thing that I wish he would do is play more stuff from his 80s and 90s uh, repertoire. Not so much, you know, like the uh, Empire Burlesque that we're going to talk about today, <laughs> or the or the or the knocked out loaded stuff, but like stuff from Infidels. Why is he playing Joker Man? You know, or from uh, from Oh Mercy? Why is he uh, you know why is he playing that stuff? I I wish he would, but it seems like he's only doing his early stuff and his more recent stuff, and the stuff in the in, in the middle gets washed up. But no, you are you are. I completely agree that he, when he is doing his standard stuff, that is when he is really uh, sort of into it, uh, if you will. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, uh,
0: there there are entire decades that he's leaving out of these concerts now. Yeah, I and mean, you could just look yeah. at the songs, and it's like '60s, '80s, '60s, new stuff, covers, and you're like, there yeah. is literally no album from 1968. Mm-hmm through 1989 that is touched it's kind of uh, or 1999 that's actually but it's it's pretty remarkable so
1: now, he did do a, uh, uh when i saw him a couple weeks ago he did do a great version of desolation road which, wow yeah yeah which is really really good if if are i'm sure there's stuff up on youtube by now it's yeah it's really really cool
0: that's a and that's a real that's a real memory tester like uh-huh. desolation road right thinking, oh, no, <laughs> it goodness. ain't short yeah yeah wow now, where did you, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of it. Your, your mom kind of helped you guide. It. When did you start getting into it? I mean, what year ran you, What year was all this?
1: Yeah, so I, went, uh, I was in law school from 2004 to 2007. And in law school, interestingly, I had a great professor named uh, Milt Rowland. Hi, Milt, how's it going? I'm, I'm going to send this to him when he's done, so I wanted to say his name. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but he, he was a big Dylan fan. And he every year he would host for a couple uh, uh, students maybe I don't know maybe a dozen twenty students, everybody would come into his house and he would have a Bob Dylan party wow and he would just yeah, it was really really cool, and he would play Dylan music, and we'd all just sit around and we would listen to it he would you know read some of the lyrics and and so sort of give his interpretation of whatnot it was a really really great guy and a really really fun party, and so I started sort of you know re uh, introducing myself at Dylan, That's sort of like the starting point, if you will. Uh, and then I read Chronicles; look, like it came out right around the same time as that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then I went to the show in two thousand nine, and and it sort of just took took off from there.
0: Wow, that's real. I I'm, that's amazing. I, I never, I didn't have anybody that was like a mentor for me for this kind of. I just had to discover it on my own. That would have been amazing to like go to yeah. a party where mm-hmm. it's freshly built around Bob Dylan.
1: That's uh, right, that's right, really right. Cool. Yeah, good. good and and good job, he grew huh? up at. Yeah, exactly. He like my parents, he grew up in in Detroit in the 60s as well and and but talk about going to see the Rolling Stones and 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 all that cool cool kind of stuff. That's Stuff that I, I, I wish I could have done if I were if I were alive back then.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. So, yeah, uh, yeah. As we as uh, Stephen alluded to, uh, Empire Burlesque, the song that we're here to talk about is from Empire Burlesque. It's called When Night Comes Falling from the Sky. And you know, I will say, I, all the the feedback I get for this show is like ninety nine point nine percent positive. It's from other Dylan mm-hmm. fans, and 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 it's really been very rewarding because you know, as I've mentioned. I'm not particularly qualified to, to, to host a right. Bob Dylan podcast. I don't know anything about music. Well, who, music, who but, is, really? Well, that's a good point, I guess. Uh, maybe some of the liner note people or whatever. But, you know, but, right. but I, I just come at it from a fan, and I, I sort of do it the, the best way I know how. And But the only criticisms I have gotten about the show is occasionally some people are like, man, you're really hard on the 80s stuff. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I am because we make jokes about it. And, and part of the reason is that I – and I've said this on the show before – that to me, all of Dylan's worst material is all clumped in a row. Right, That's right. really the tough part. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if he had had a bum album in the '60s and a bum album in the '70s, and then two bum albums in the '80s and one of them, you could say, well, the, you know, there's there's peaks and valleys. But to me, the valley <laughs> <laughs> is, is pretty much 1984 through 1988.
1: Yep, it's very noticeable. Yeah, it's
0: very noticeable. And. Part of the reason I wanted to do this song is because, to me, this... The, and the, the thing that I make sure I want to get at, especially with this episode, is it is not that Bob was not recording great material in the 80s. He was. He right. Was, he right. was just... He had lost his sense of what to use. And yeah. that is really where his muse left him for a bit. Because, you know, we've all heard the bootleg material from the 60s and the 70s. And while there's a lot to to, to compliment about that material... There isn't, at least to my memory, there aren't r- too many versions of songs in the sixties and seventies where you say, "Oh, he clearly should have used the the one that he left off."
1: Agreed. For the yeah, most yeah. part,
0: the stuff that he put on the albums was the best cut. And it's only in the eighties where you start saying, "What the hell was he thinking?" Okay. Uh-huh.
1: And, and this, 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 yeah, this to me is like a microcosm. This is the nugget that is like shows you uh, how good Empire Burlesque could have been.
0: Right. I mean, this this is one of the great examples of. of Clearly, to me, picking the inferior version of the yeah, song. I can't
1: think. I can't think of another example uh, anywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just night and day. And to be honest with you, I had heard the I had first heard this version through the bootleg series, through the the nineteen ninety one release, right. And so I was like, oh my gosh, it's a great song because I, I I was listening to a uh, series of dreams, which is the finale of the bootleg right, of, that, right. of that bootleg series, and then uh, I guess and that was the big single they were plugging when when they uh, when they released the 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 album in 91 and and so i said okay well that that's terrific and so then i you know started listening listen to the other stuff and and it, you probably remember this uh uh the uh when the night comes falling from the sky the bootleg version is right before it's a second to last and it's sort of like so nicely like blends into the end of this song blends into series of dreams it's a weird touch that they fade the songs together yes yeah. yes and it's absolutely spectacular and so i love this song for the for the first time I heard it, I just figured it was a unreleased track. And it wasn't until I I went back and started listening to Empire of a couple of times that I realized it's not, it's an alternate take of this dreadful dreadful (laughs) version that's in this minor key. That is, 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 it sounds like a bad Donna Summer song. And I, I I was like, holy cow, this is, this is the same song. They are just so worlds apart, uh, in style and in tone, uh, uh, and in the in the the key signature, it, it is like you can't you can't just uh, unless you're like having it in front of you and you're reading the lyrics and you're like matching one and one. It's like oh oh my god, it is the same song, but it's but it obviously it's not
0: right because they said the version on Empire Burlesque is. I mean the lyrics are fantastic. It's a soaring right. soaring epic of a song. It, it starts out. Uh, this great scene, saying it's look out across the field, see me returning. Smoke gets in your eyes. You draw a smile from the fireplace where now my letters to you are burning. You've had time to think about it for a while. Well, I've walked mm-hmm. two hundred miles. Now look me over. It's the end of the chase, and the moon is high. It won't matter who loves who. You either lo- you'll either you love me or I will love you when the night comes falling from the sky and. That's uh, it's it's a beautifully soaring song, and Mm -hmm. I mean it's it seems to be a you know I don't want to say a typical Dylan song, but it's it's kind of got the major plot and the minor plot, and that it certainly seems directly about a relationship. But then just by the sheer apocalyptic vision presented, it seems like that this is. I mean, I did you know some some research on this song when we were going to talk about it, and people that are very very devoutly
1: religious seem to see. there is yes there is a, some sort of big uh, following on the internet that is like sold on this idea that this is a has major biblical overtones throughout. Right.
0: right. I this think it's a bit all much about, myself yeah, is, right. They are they are convinced <laughs> this is about yes. Jesus returning to earth and right. Maybe, maybe it's my lack of of religious background that I'm just like uh, okay. <laughs> I I mean, really? What? I mean, wait, I, wait, I, are you serious? Yeah, I mean I certainly yeah. hear the apocalyptic tones of it, but to me it's it's just about this relationship, and I don't Mm -hmm. hear the notion of, you know, it all about, you know, the end of the world coming. I'm just not hearing that, and, you know, again, that's the nature of these songs with exactly, You can hear what you want to hear into it.
1: It it, it, Different meaning to different people, absolutely.
0: Right. I mean, but the imagery is so... Beautiful, and I love you know, like in the second verse, when he says it's the it won't matter who loves who, you'll either you love me or I love you. That's cribbed right out of the Maltese Falcon.
1: Yes, I read that. (laughs) Uh, I think you and I were looking at the same research online. Yeah, that was very interesting. I
0: love because clearly Bob was watching a lot of movies because he cribs. There's a line of dialogue in another song. Tight Connection to My Heart, which he cribbed from a Star Trek episode. So oh, Bob, Bob, okay. Bob was doing a lot of movie watching and TV watching <laughs> when he was recording this album. But I mean, it's, if you listen to the lyrics, it's a beautiful, amazing song. And then you get to the version know, in part of Ununpire Burlesque, and you just hear those whomping synth yep. drums. And you're just yeah. like... And this is one of those songs where I literally almost cannot listen to it. it to me, oh, your exactly. It is so crass and so... Like just the physical act of listening to it is painful.
1: Yeah, and it, it's interesting because this, uh, the the Empire of the Burlesque version is about two minutes longer than the than the uh, bootleg version, but it's the same amount of verses. Oh. And I, I yeah, it seems I, I, so much longer. There are some, yeah, yeah. It's and it, it's yeah, it's about seven and a half minutes. And I, yes, I am the exact same way it, when I was like you know getting ready to do this. And in the past, I think, and I think that's also why. I didn't really realize that it was uh, these two were the same same songs, if you will. It's just because when I listened to Empire Burlesque, I would like get maybe a minute into this song and then I would skip it. I just like it was like unbearable for me. And so uh, and so it was just another reason why why I couldn't connect the dots there. But yeah. yes, seven seven and a half minutes. And I, I'm guessing it's because there are a couple of instrumentals here, complete with you know bongo drums and oh, and, and yeah yeah and uh, some loud synths, synth synths that. Uh, that elongated a bit, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're I'm, we're really piling on this. this
0: uh, we'll get to, we'll, yeah, I mean, we'll get to the one that we like shortly. I just I'm just yeah. trying to set the scene a little. Because right, right. Like, I mean, again, the lyrics the lyrics in this are, are, are some of the best lyrics he's ever written.
1: I mean, but you I mean, can't get to it. But you can't get because you're just like overwhelmed with it. Yeah. With the, yeah, womp, womp,
0: womp, womp. Uh-huh. And you'll hear a little bit at the end of the show. You'll I'll we'll play both versions. But I mean, I can hear your trembling heartbeat like a river. You must have pre- th- Although this is the alternate version, you must have protecting mm-hmm. someone last time I called. I don't know that line's kind of. Eh. But then we go. I saw thousands who could have overcome the darkness. For the love of a lousy buck, I've watched them die. That's like yeah. that's an amazing amazing mm-hmm. line. Stick around, baby. We're not through. Don't look for me. I'll see you when the night comes falling from the sky. In your teardrops, I can see my own reflection. Uh, and then there's a line here, but it was on the northern border of Texas where I crossed the line, which is another yeah, line. I don't know changed. why that's jammed in there. I, yeah, it, they
1: changed it up in the bootleg version. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I I gave to you my heart like buried treasure. That's in the alternate version here. It's where I sent to you my feelings in a letter, but you were gambling for support. I, I read these the the the. Old, the, the Quote unquote official lyrics, and I just get sad because the Uh, ones (laughs) in the official, in the later version. So, all right, for for the sake of let's be nice, let's get to the one we like, which is the bootleg version. And that version was actually cut first. It Um, was,
1: like a couple, like the day day before, right? Yeah.
0: And it's with Stephen Van Zandt and Roy Batan. So uh-huh. this, is, this is the closest we're ever going to get to Bob Dylan and the E Street Band. E Street Band, right. Uh, and and it, it's, it's
1: amazing. It's so good. Bird. And I, I will also confess that in addition to being a, a big Bob fan, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. And so when, when – I did, and I did not realize that uh, Van Zandt and Bitten were, uh, were in this version. But once I did realize it, once I did read it, you could – I listened to it again and you could totally tell. I mean that is Stephen Van Zandt's guitar you can right. just hear it and you could, that is Roy uh, Bitten's, uh, uh, piano stylings. I mean, it is just there. It is so obvious. I can't believe I didn't pick up on it, but it is, uh, it is absolutely just, st- you can tell that, that, that Stephen Van Sant had a, had a hand in this, just the, the, uh, I don't want to say pop sound. of I think mean, that's, that's too, you know, bubblegums uh, and maybe too simplistic, but, uh, you can tell that, that, if he did not have a have some sort of hand of producing it or arranging it, he was definitely digging it. Yeah,
0: and you can hear in the the the, the, the vocal that Bob records. First of all, I just love how much more clean this is. There just isn't yeah. all that all this junk that Arthur Baker insisted on sticking in it. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it's just it's really just Bob and Roy and Stephen Evans. I mean, got the drums and uh, his uh, his rhythm section. That's uh, I think Slide Dunbar and Robbie Shakespeare play on both versions, but here they're...
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: I believe they're playing on both. I could be wrong about that, but I believe they're playing on both versions. But this one just sounds... It's so much more stripped down. And you can hear, as the band gets more and more into it, you can hear that reflected in Dylan's vocal. Yes. As he gets more and more kind of excited. and it, you know, Right. They're just like, driving
1: each other. Yeah. yeah they're, they're feeding off right, each, exactly. uh, each other. You can yeah. hear
0: these things line about, I gave to you my heart like buried treasure. Uh, your suffering seems to fit you like a glove. And I, I something, I use, fools use, use you for their own pleasure. Um, and, and at one point he says, This time I'm asking for freedom, freedom for a world which you deny. And he's like, and and there's a line which says, and you'll give it to me now, or I'll Mm -hmm. take it anyhow when the night comes falling from the sky. And the way you can almost hear, he's like punching the words with it. And you'll give it to me. I'm not gonna try and sing it because I'm gonna embarrass. But he's like, you can give it to me now, and I'll or I'll take it anyhow. Like right, yeah, Yeah. no, he's like
1: very very forceful. Yeah, anybody who listens to it can tell. Oh, so
0: alive in this Uh. version, and the
1: idea that Bob would hear that and go nah graciously right. yes who who told them yeah, yeah you know i think you should go with this other one here i think it's it's uh, it's it's better I, I i i and that's just you know why try to get into his head and figure out why he chooses one over the other it's it's this is a prime example of just you know just accept it and move on i guess i don't I, know
0: i, I guess the, the reasoning for that is and this is stuff i've heard about him Uh, late in other books, is that he has an, and you know what, all of this, it comes with a giant asterisk, because obviously the man knows what he's doing, and Mm -hmm. it's not for anyone else to say he should have done this or that, but but in terms of just, you know, how he arrives at a creative decision, he certainly, he seems to have a view of his albums as a particular thing, like he wants this Mm -hmm. album to be this, and then the material he records for it, if, those, if what he records doesn't fit what he perceives as the album to be, often mm-hmm. it goes. It, it doesn't go on the album. Yeah. And my attitude would be, and again, just, I'm never, I'm not a musician, so it's easy for me to say, <laughs> but my notion would be record what you want to record, and whatever is best, use that, and that's your album. The album is the result of the songs, not the other way around. Right, but that isn't that has not been how he's worked through things, and so that's how we end up with other songs. Like, there's a, a song in the Bootleg series called Angelina, which uh-huh. is an amazing yep. soaring song, yeah. which was left off of Shot of Love. And right. The reason was to him it didn't fit on Shot of Love, and you're like, Well, but but it's such a but masterpiece, so so... <laughs> you know? It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, who cares? And so, you can almost see him saying, Well, this doesn't this version isn't going to fit on it, Empire just doesn't fit, and so yeah, and as you hear. The, you know, how Empire Burlesque came about, you're like, well, yeah, it doesn't fit on Empire Burlesque. It wouldn't fit on Empire Burlesque, but it's so heads and tails above anything else on Empire Burlesque. Right. How did not put it on
1: there? And I guess uh, a larger point I see is that it, it could have fit on Empire Burlesque if he had, you know, sort of uh, reworked the, the other songs, right. if you will. Because, I mean, this is not the only song on Empire Burlesque where there's, you know, synth and, and oh, all yeah. that 80s stuff that, you know, we all loved back then, but look back on now and it's like, oh, God. Uh, I mean, I, I, Tight Connection to My Heart, I think, is a great song.
0: I love that song.
1: And, and you've probably heard the, the bootleg version that's floating around on, uh, on on YouTube from the 93 Supper Club. Right. Uh, which is just so good. I mean, in my opinion, much better than, than the studio version. Uh, that, I mean, I'll remember you. I know you've, you've talked about I'll Remember You on another Different podcasts here. Uh, same thing. Uh, could have been great. And one's great in that uh, that movie soundtrack. The, the movie title is Blanket on Me Now. Missed. It, uh, anonymous. Thank you. Yes. I think Clean Cut Kid is a great song. Uh, I think Emotionally Yours is a great song. But Emotionally Yours has these fake strings throughout, which is annoying. And so I think if he had uh, – you know oh, and then let's let, let not forget uh, New Danville Girl which mm. was tr- turned into Brownsville Girl, which was on uh, – uh, Not loaded Not, uh, downloaded. not downloaded, which I think is a spectacular song. I, th- I think Empire – I mean, going back to what I said earlier, Empire Burlesque could have been spectacular if he had just, I guess, gone with uh, – I don't want to say gone with his gut because I, I don't pretend to know what, what what's in his head or, or, or not. But if he had, you know, in my opinion, had sort of scaled back. And, and re- reworked some of the songs to, to what we tor- uh, uh, typically think of as, as, as Dylan style. But you look, it was the '80s. It was the, the advent of MTV. Uh, he put out two uh, uh, music videos, right? Yeah, um, there's the, a video I'm, for
0: this song. There is there's a video yeah. for this. They, this was a single. They wanted to make mm-hmm. this a single. Yeah, I, the video is to me almost unwatchable. It's yeah, so, I mean, it's,
1: it's so like, connected to my. I love Tight Connection to my heart. I'm not going to try to defend that video. It's it's yeah. it's. <laughs> that's it's, a bonkers video oh I, my oh gosh my it's i mean <laughs> he ends up in jail there's a night fight he can't lip sync his own lyrics it's it, what what the hell's going on I, but it's yeah it's sort of emblematic of the of a larger larger thing i guess i don't know uh but yeah i guess yeah it's it's could have been a great song of a great album uh even though you know kurt loader the <laughs> kurt loader and his mtv review i'll call this song the uh, the record's ravishing centerpiece
0: Yeah, Okay. I get the the sense that in 1985, as you mentioned, MTV was just beginning to basically eat the music industry Mm. uh, at that point. There was still the idea that Bob Dylan was going to be like a singles act, like a hit act. You know, like Mm. he could still, you know, chart albums. And I think we're getting – and so I think that was the notion of, well, he still has to do that. And now the record industry has changed completely to where – I, there isn't any notion anymore of that. It's more like, okay, we can sell Bob Dylan to this crowd or sell it in this particular way, and we don't have to worry about Bob Dylan competing with Taylor Swift or Katy Perry or, or whoever. Right, you know, that's right. that's a, It's it's a completely different universe, although, of course, Modern Times was like the number one album. It was like the, I think he's the oldest person to yep. have a number one album or something like that.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I think Modern Times, was, he set the record for the oldest artist to have a number one album. But I think <laughs> in 1985, they were... The record industry probably didn't know what to do with Bob Dylan. It was still just like, well, okay, he's this legend, but right. he, whatever. And so, apparently, Dylan just handed the album over to Arthur Baker and just said, basically, like, make it commercial.
1: Yeah. And okay. Arthur,
0: you know, well, it's kind of hard to do when Bob Dylan is somebody who's not commercial, really. He's not. Yeah, I, th-
1: <laughs> I think I read some uh, some quotes from uh, Ronnie Wood, who uh, like was expressing some frustration that Dylan did exactly that. Right. Uh, and he was – it was just like almost irate saying, Bob, what are you – like in his mind saying, Bob, what are you doing? Why are you letting these people gut it like like that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean this the, – the version on the bootleg series is just startling in its clarity, its directness. Again, there might be all of these religious overtones to it. I just choose to hear it as just this, this relationship being conveyed in this cacophonous manner. Right. Of just this huge – I mean you feel like it's the whole weight of the world – is coming down on this man's shoulders as he's battling through this relationship with this
1: this particular person. Yeah, but and then at the same time he says, you know, "Either you love me or I love you." So it's, it's like, yes, it's a huge way of the world. But at the same time, he's like, "Yeah, you know, maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't." You know? Yeah, I mean, he said the,
0: the, the the delivery is so sort of cocksure. And sort of entertain, sort of self entertained almost. You can it's almost like he's he's enjoying just the performance of just the performance of. He sounds like he's having such a good time yeah. in in the version with Van Zant and and Bataan or and Bitten uh, that it, to me that is the one that's listening. And like you said, when you when you put the two of them together, which you, I'll have at the end of this episode, they will you really won't believe they're the same song. You're just, yeah. Oh no. Completely yeah. unbelievable. And one. You know, Bob kept persevering with this. I mean, you can, um, he put out a concert film in 1986 called hard to handle, uh, where he did some shows of Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. And this right. song is on there.
1: Yes. And I will say, I in, will say in his defense, in in this narrow context, uh, I, you can see a, a live version online, uh, of that, that, uh, I think of what you're talking about there and the live version has you know it's less synth that it has guitars uh, it has great backup singers and it has you know a, a, a good drum non-techno drum and it actually sounds okay I'm not going to say I'm not, still not, not anywhere close to, to being better than the bootleg series but uh, but it sounds it sounds better I'll, it's, it's a step forward how about that
0: Okay, yeah. Well, anytime you can get away from Arthur Baker, I think you're right. <laughs> exactly. Sort of thing. I mean, even the version, there's a cover of this by Jeff Healy, uh, the Jeff mm-hmm. Healy band, uh, that I think is even sort of better than the Bob one, sort of, just because it's just a little simpler. And the weird, bizarro fact that appeared on the soundtrack to Roadhouse. The Patrick oh Swayze gosh. movie. <laughs> I'm trying oh to my gosh. If you ever thought there was a connection between Roadhouse, Roadhouse and, and Bob, Bob Dylan, <laughs> the, here's your connection. So, there yeah, you go. Very, very strange. But yeah, okay. it's, it's, uh, it's the, the bootleg series, an amazing version. Uh, it's, it's To me, it is one of his best performances, one of the best things he ever did. And it's, again, proof that no matter where you are with him, he was still creating great music. He was still... Yep. But, you know, yep. he may not have his 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 compass may not have been pointing north uh at at certain times, but he was he never failed to make amazing stuff and this this song is proof of that. So it's just a tremendous, tremendous song. And so the link we'll have in the show notes is to the bootleg series version. So I would recommend you go buy that one because
1: that one, yes. It's
0: so, uh, yeah, it's a great song. So, is there anything else we want to say about it before we wrap up, Stephen?
1: No, just uh, a big thank you for having me on. It's uh, always enjoy uh, listening to your podcast. It's uh, it's an honor to be to be with you today, and uh, uh, I'll keep listening to Bob, and I'll keep listening to Pod Dylan.
0: Thank you very much. I said, I, I really I, the the trip you you made sounded terrific, and it uh, it was it it meant a lot to me to hear that you were listening to the show in between seeing Dylan. That's that's just like an amazing thing. So, again, thank you so much for reaching out, and thank you for, for coming on.
1: Thank you. My pleasure, sir.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, you can follow the show over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. And you can find all the back episodes for this show and all our other great shows on our network site, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. So uh, until the next episode, we'll see you guys later. Bye.